What's up, everybody? Welcome to another PGA Tour season here on Roto Grinders. Happy to be bringing you the usual Drive for Show DFS for Doe program here, which we're taping on Tuesday nights and uh, will be available generally on playback uh, for premium subscribers. Though this week, we're making all our PGA content free for everybody so you can check it out. Uh, we hope you like what we've got to offer here as we get the, not not necessarily the PGA Tour season, but the calendar year 2019 kicked off. Happy New Year to all of you out there. And I am Justin Van Zuden. As usual, uh, we'll be hosting this program that we tape on uh, Tuesday nights, pretty much always uh, at this uh, same time at 8 p.m. Eastern. So again, it's going to be free live all year long. So those of you uh, who aren't premium members that want to watch the show, you can watch it live. But uh, those of you who are premium, you can play it back anytime before tee off on Thursday. So happy to have you with us for the first tournament of the new year. Uh, Derek Farnsworth, you might know him as notorious throughout the Roto Grinders community, is uh, one of the co-hosts of this show as well. So we'll bring him in. And uh, Derek, how are you? Happy New Year. Yeah, happy New Year. Uh, excited to be back. Golf, nothing uh, better than weekly fantasy golf. A whole month of that, it was rough. I haven't played some Euro Tour in December. Uh, didn't go all that well. Uh, took a bunch of random guys and <laughs> some Euro Tour events. But, uh, yeah, so I'm excited uh, to get back to business. And even though we don't have a full field, uh, it should be fun. A nice little uh, less stressful week than normal. Don't have to worry about the Friday cut sweat. Yeah, that's okay for getting back in the swing of things after a month off, uh, which feels like six months. Uh, Dan Bach always gives me some grief because about two weeks in, I told him I was missing the golf sweat. And, uh, you know, he told me yeah, it's only been two weeks and I could play some Euro Tour if I wanted to. But unlike Derek, I, I did not do that. Uh, I prefer my sweats while I'm awake. So, uh, or you know, for the British Open or something, I'll make an exception and, uh, you know, I'll have some longer nights. But I was able to tough it out for a month with no DFS golf, uh, but uh, like you there, Derek, happy to have it back. Uh, Jason Roslin is the other co-host, uh, goes by the Twitter handle, handle DFS Golf for 23 if you want to follow him over there. Uh, Jason, welcome back. I know you're sporting some, uh, some gear from last year's tournament where you, uh, I forgot this, but you made the trek out to Hawaii, and why are you not there again? Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> All week, uh, you know, I put out like a week ago when the TOC, uh, the Tournament of Champions Twitter account started tweeting out things like, I might have to block them for, for the next 10 days. Just it's just bringing back uh, fantastic memories and, and wanting to be back there. But I have a six-month-old, and I just thought it was probably a little too far to bring him for a Weiss uh, this year. So hopefully I'll be back again with him, you know, in the near future. Uh, I recommend the trip to any, you know, avid golf fan uh, or anybody that, that likes uh, Hawaii go out there. It's a great experience and a fantastic golf course to say the least and excited to jump into the new year. And, and we are, I'm pretty much, if, if I, you know, my eyes aren't deceiving me, we're here until August 22nd, like every week straight through no weeks off through the tour championship. And there we go. Yeah. And uh, you know, for those of you who might not be aware the PGA Tour schedule has changed quite a bit this year. Um, they've moved some events up, and uh, they, they've got, I think, four events that are now on rotating schedules. So a couple of them are getting cut out this year, and then a couple of them will get cut out next year. So they've shortened the calendar a little bit uh, to where the Tour Championship is taking place in August. I believe they've removed a playoff event. Yep. Um, they've moved one of the normal, you know, during season, early season events, uh, to a playoff event. So again, that, that calendar has been condensed up a little bit to where we're ending in August instead of September. Uh, but uh, we will have a golf tournament every week uh, from now until the uh, the tour championship. So 
lots of fun stuff. There will be a lot of these events early in the season, and we can give you a little bit of a an overview here. Um, with normally we'll just dive into the tournament and talk about it for an hour, but we've only got 34 golfers this week. As Derek mentioned, there is no cut. Uh, it's only the golfers that won a tournament last year. Uh, Tiger Woods, Justin Rose, and Phil are not competing. So our field is down from 37 to 34. So we've got plenty of time to get through the golfers for this week. But um, you'll see a few events here in the, the springtime, that uh, winter and spring, that use multiple courses. Obviously, we're dealing with more limited daylight hours at this time of year. So when you get full field events, uh, it is pretty tough if you're in the U.S. right now to be able to roll it um, you know, on one course and get everybody through there. Uh, during the day so you'll see some events that use two you see some events that even use three courses here uh, in the spring season so obviously we'll uh, give you more details on those as those tournaments come up and i have to ask both of you and again if you're not familiar with the show uh, my two co-hosts here are ridiculous tiger woods homers so you can ignore anything they say about tiger <laughs> in the events that he's playing but did you guys watch tiger versus phil uh, Derek, I, I'll start with you. Did you did you fork over the twenty bucks, or did you did you go somewhere to watch it, or did you askew watching your boy Tiger? Yeah, unfortunately, I was traveling that day. Uh, I was traveling for a friend's wedding, so uh, I was on a plane while uh, they teed off. So I was trying to follow on my phone, bought some Wi-Fi, so I technically purchased something so I could track it. But uh, <laughs> I love the dedication. You get to see it live. <laughs> I did not watch. I held to my promise there, but uh, again, there was enough people live tweeting about it that uh, that I could follow every hole. But uh, Jason, how about you? Yep, I I bought it. I got refunded. I watched it, and uh, um, I I will say there were parts that I enjoyed and parts that uh, first of all, the golf wasn't that great. I'm not going to critique the match that much. They didn't play that good. You know, Tiger maybe shot three or four under. Phil maybe one under better. I. Because you know I'm a I'm a you know a, a golf club guy. I like playing in tournaments at my local course. You know my local country club, and the ending was kind of fun because that's what we would do in a shootout format. You know, if it was getting dark, we would go to you know like a 90 yard playoff. Interesting to see nine million dollars come down to that. I don't know if the money really mattered or not, but um, just I don't probably know. If you, yeah, it probably, probably didn't. I don't know if you read about that or not. That's how they ended up uh, yeah. finishing it. Kind of cool. Anyways, they signed on for three more years. I expect it to expand. I don't expect it to just be these two guys. Uh, I expect maybe one year they'll team up with, uh, together and another year they will pick a partner. Um, that's what's been talked about. So it obviously worked. Um, whether, whether uh, you know, Justin, we get you to buy it next time or not. Obviously. <laughs> well, I wouldn't have had to buy it. So let me get that. There was one outlet that uh, illicitly streamed it live online. And my yeah, report like absolutely messed up the stream. They put it out live free instead of their subscribers and everybody had a refund direct where I bought it. I could buy it direct through, you know, direct TV. They had to refund me. So yeah, bleacher report. I think that's who it was. Um, why they were streaming it to begin with. Who knows? Who guess they, they paid the money for it. They screwed it up, but I guess the pay-per-view buys were very good over a million. So hmm. Right there, obviously, that's why Turner Sports kind of signed on for this. Um, and that was even with some pretty poor marketing. Through the yeah, <laughs> it started to get better towards the, the left-handed end. driver. Yeah, the left-handed driver. I don't know who made that graphic. That was definitely a little faux pas. Um, but, yeah, overall, I'm interested to see the way they take it. Like, if, if they do pull in, say, like, you know, even if it's like a, you know, kind of a 
guys that don't like each other uh, to play, you know, team up with them. You know, I'm kind of into the spectacle, especially if one of them is Patrick Reed. That would be interesting. <laughs> yeah, Patrick Reed is interesting. Um, yeah, even Comcast issued refunds. And, you know, when Comcast is issuing refunds, uh, that, that pretty much everybody got refunded. Not that I'm bitter at Comcast or anything like that, but uh, that's a story for another day. So that was the match. Um, your boy Tiger, like you said, didn't play that well, but uh, you know it came down to a little pitch shot, and uh, Phil did. Phil hit it better, so uh, Phil won. And I don't know where they came out in the side bets throughout the whole thing, but uh, that took place around the Thanksgiving holiday. And then uh, we didn't have much in terms of uh, news and notes and anything like that throughout December. So uh, we're just kind of back and, and ready to roll here with the Tournament of Champions, which, uh, as Jason mentioned, he went out there last year. And uh, this is a course with wide fairways. It's a resort-style course. And, uh, you know, you generally see the winning score in the 20s. Uh, I went back the last 10 years. The winning score has been at least minus 16 every time. So, uh, you, you do see plenty of, of birdies here. But, uh, Jason, the question I have for you, since you were there last year, uh, it sounds like, you know, we're talking 20-mile-an-hour winds or so the first couple of days of this tournament. And I know it's Hawaii and it's always breezy out there uh, on the coastline. But how, relatively speaking, if the winds are 20 miles an hour, uh, can we expect that to dip into the scoring? Or how does that compare to maybe what the weather was last year out there? Yeah, so uh, it, it's funny. I'm I'm, I'm – I'm, very uh, making myself upset because I'm now remembering uh, I played the course two years ago uh, when I first visited Hawaii and the day that I played it, it was playing in 20 mile per hour winds, but it was prevailing winds. So it, it, it's not normal for that golf course. So it really honestly depends on we, a wind direction. If they get some of these holes, like where a DJ almost had the hole in one, which is on the backside. If the wind direction is good, those are the most exposed on the backside. If the wind direction is blowing um, correctly, it's going to really help them. Uh, you're not going to get a ton of wind up in the mountains on the front nine. It's just a little bit more guarded because obviously it's, it's built on the mountainside. So, um, it, it all depends on the wind direction for me. You know, when you get out to the fifth and sixth hole, I mean, you're in, you're in a ravine. Um, you know, when you see the pictures between those, I mean, it, you're so guarded by everything. So I'm really only worried about the back nine for wind and it's all about direction for me. So I'm going to have to take a, a little bit further look on that. If it is prevailing winds, they may even call the tournament if it gets to be over 25 or 30 miles an hour because it, it would just be too hard. The course is not set up to play for that. They've had to do it a couple of times before. Yeah, I was going to say, I remember this happening once where they had to finish on Monday. Yeah, I think it might have even been a Tuesday finish, if I'm not mistaken, 2014 or 15. It could have been. It was a few yeah. years ago. Um, either way, and it wasn't due to the it wasn't due to weather. It was just due to wind. So. Um, all about that direction. Uh, if it's blown the right way, scores are going to be even lower. Yeah, I'm trying to uh, figure out. So it looks like the the normal wind direction in Hawaii is from the northeast. It says that that's uh, 70% of the time the wind blows from the northeast. So uh, now I'm going to go to the uh, the 10 day here and see what yeah, we've got for a wind direction. So uh thursday right now it says east northeast so that would be that direction 23 miles an hour 25 miles an hour friday 20 miles an hour saturday all from that east northeast direction i think that probably sets up the golf course was set up for this the north east northeast uh, uh wind so I, I really don't see it coming into play too much um but where i do like it is you know maybe these guys that are the medium hitters 
um, may be able to get a little bit closer, uh, you know, and, and we'll certainly get into that a little bit when we get into the golfers. You know, obviously, could DJ make a hole in one again on 12? Yeah, it's very possible now with that wind. I'm not going to lie. We're going to have some some guys drive the green uh, on that backside now. Yeah, an 18, which is a 667-yard par 5, is pretty Plenty. much reachable. Definitely. Um, yep. for, for a lot of these guys, you know, you see a 667-yard hole and you think, well, uh, these guys aren't going to be able to hit this in two. But just for perspective, last year on the 18th hole, um, DJ drive – DJ's driving the fourth round was like 380 yards and that you know that, that's just pretty standard you look at some of some of these guys uh you're, you're seeing 360 370 380 yard drives on that hole and uh same thing on number 12 which again it's a 420 yard par four so you think of it as a you know kind of long right yeah that's a medium length par four but it's drivable for some of these guys and you see definitely Hideki hit a 390 yard drive there last year so um, it's a course that provided that the wind isn't, you know, isn't blowing cross crossways across a lot of these holes, you're probably going to see the scoring still be a pretty solid. And, uh, and as Jason mentioned, the, the few of the holes on the front side are a little more guarded. So, uh, Derek, your thoughts on the, uh, the course this week and, uh, and how these guys generally attack it. Yeah. I just pulled up the longest drives from last year. Six of the seven all season were all from uh, this tournament. So I got a, I got awesome. a four eleven yeah. from Justin Thomas. Does that make the list? Uh, that's all the way down at tied for 18th. Holy wow. cow. DJ so what I, yeah. Give us offered at four thirty a piece. Wow. But Michael, Michael block at the U S open four thirty three. What? Winner. Must've gone off the cart path. <laughs> the cart path. Or is that only fairway drives? <laughs> no, fa- um, if it lands in the fairway, it counts. No, I know that, but I mean, if it if it's if it doesn't land in the fairway, does it yeah. not count? You know, if you get a hundred yard rollout off of a cart <laughs> pad, sure it counts. <laughs> <laughs> it counts for him. He's he's that's he's, for sure. He's got that framed up for his grandkids for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think you know you're going to see some long drives in this event, especially on the holes that are playing downwind. Um, and there are quite a few elevated tee boxes here as well. So you know, you, all of that's going to come into play with uh, with expecting some some pretty good drives on some of these holes and uh and it's a course where you know you gotta expect some birdies so taking guys who can make birdies uh you've got no cut this week so even some guys that are making some bogeys if you're making enough birdies and then you're gonna be able to put up some fantasy points so uh just in general and we might have some people here that are newer i mean uh, derek how how we approach a no cut event that might be a little bit different from uh, some of the the full field events we'll see on tour yeah, I mean, you can definitely take more chances in a no-cut event. Uh, you obviously don't have to worry about guys only playing two rounds uh, unless somebody withdraws or something like that. So if you want to play the Stars and Scrubs approach, you definitely can. Uh, it places a little bit more emphasis on, you know, the winning uh, winning the tournament, having the winning golfer in your lineup. Uh, obviously, if you're going to win a tournament, you're going to need the winner anyway. But, um, you know, in these small field events, even in cash games, you might need the winner uh to end up uh, being profitable this week so you definitely want to chase some of those guys that uh you know are high up there in the odds and for the most part i mean you can leave uh, dollars on the table that's one of the popular strategies um, in these smaller field events because they're pretty stacked and uh you know you're going to see a lot of duplicate lineups uh, in some of these large field tournaments so leaving some money on the table whether it be you know at least 300 dollars or more uh, is a pretty common strategy at least for uh you know the experts around the industry so i think that's going to be something that i like to do in the larger field tournaments and then 
in my cash games, I think I'm just going to limit uh, my exposure overall just because uh, these events tend to be a little bit more random uh, than some of the cut field events. Uh, Jason, how about you? Anything you tend to do differently in these types of fields? Yeah, it, I'm definitely echoing that that same sentiment. Cash game is is almost reduced to nothing. Uh, very, very small. Maybe do a couple three-mans, but it, there's just, I feel, um, and, and, I, and I think Derek will probably say the same thing that a lot of the edge in DFS golf comes from being able to get six of six through the cut consistently on a, on a week to week basis. So, you know, this week, everyone's going to have that. So I think that takes the, I think you'll see some GPPs and cash games have a very similar cash line. So that's why I just say, if you are a mainly a cash player, you know, maybe throw, uh, you know, one bullet out there and play a GPP this week, but I would definitely limit the cash bankroll and, you know, wait for something like next week where it's a full field and we've got a, you know, full set of data and such. So that's just my recommendation. All right. Yeah, I agree with those uh, pretty standard things to, to think about in a no cut format. So you, you're going to, you know, maybe make the stars and scrubs approach a little bit more viable. Think about leaving some salary on the table in GPPs. Uh, I actually built my lineups before, right before the show here this afternoon and uh, in, in our lineup HQ, we've got that salary slider, and I set mine to leave at least $200 on the table, you know, somewhere between $200 and $800 on the table for most of my lineups. Um, we've had some content in the past that has shown the benefit of leaving money on the table in these shorter field events, and it's, it, it's pretty eye-opening if you, if you check that out. So uh, for now, it's just worth noting that leaving some salary on the table, not a bad idea. I know you – you always kind of go, a lot of people take the approach of, well, I got to use up all of it or, or all but a couple hundred bucks, but uh, that's certainly not something that you have to do in a field like this one. So especially if a guy in the, you know, 8K range on DraftKings ends up winning the tournament, I wouldn't be surprised if the winning lineup has some money left on the table. So uh, we can go ahead and get dig into this week a little bit, uh, unless there's anything else. Uh, Jason, anything else you want to pass along in general about the tournament or the course or anything like that? No, I, I think if this is going to be your first time watching the event, it's primetime golf for, you know, really, you know, a lot of people in, in mainland, you know, Eastern, you know, East coast, it's really primetime. I think it starts at eight o'clock if I'm not mistaken coverage. So it's and we will get some of the most beautiful views we'll get all year. I know we've got, you know, the U S open at Pebble beach this year. So it's, we're going to get some great golf and great views, but this is some of the most uh, spectacular uh, we'll get all year. Enjoy it. Great time. And I like that we're, it's going to probably be the longest uh, Thursday morning all year though, as, as we wait, as the anticipation builds, it's a three o'clock lock. So 3 PM lock. We're going to have all day to sit there and tinker and sweat. So, uh, that's especially worse when the news comes out that, you know, Jason Day is not feeling well or something. Yeah, like right. Exactly. Every week. Yeah, every week. But that that's an auto play we've learned, right, at this yeah. point? That's correct. The data shows that when Jason Day has a sore throat, uh, you play him and uh, and you collect your top five at uh, at 7% ownership or less. So um, <laughs> just something like that usually comes out and then everyone's scouring the news wires. And usually throughout the year, it's uh, – you know, so-and-so skipped the pro-am, which is always the, that's usually Jason Day, uh, yeah. skipped the pro-am because he was ill or something like that. And then you have to worry about that on Wednesday night. But this week uh, with the Thursday and the uh, 3 p.m. lock, it's, uh, it'll be brutal. And uh, just try not to, don't tinker with your lineups. That's the general rule. It's uh, generally makes it worse, but uh, for sure, keep, be able to keep an eye on the news there heading up to, uh, to tee off time. So 
All right, let's start. Uh, Derek, anything else you want to throw in before we start? I was just going to mention first timers here have struggled a bit, uh, whether it's the wind or whether these uh, tricky Bermuda greens uh, get them. Unless you're a super elite, I mean, we've seen Rom play well here in his first try at JT and Hideki. But outside of that, uh, first timers have struggled here. So that's something that I will be uh, looking at uh, in my player pool this week. Can I play devil's advocate there and just say that generally, guys are first timers because it's the first time they've ever won a PGA tour event. So they're either golfers that really aren't as good as some of the other guys that are regularly winning, or they're just new to the tour in general. So naturally you're going to see that, I guess, from guys who don't win often or are just, you know, they've only been on PGA tour a year. I I get it in other, you know, in other types of tournaments where it's a big factor, but I don't know. It, It could be a little bit of a chicken and egg argument there. Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't thought of it like that. Um, so, yeah. Well, you know, we'll have to see, and we can talk about some of the first-timers as they come up. Uh, and some guys may have just chosen to skip this event in the past, a la what, uh, what Tiger is doing. Um, generally doesn't play over here when he wins and is not again this year. So, all right, let's dig into the golfers this week. Derek, I'll stick with you. And uh, with the, the salary structure the way it is, FanDuel's cap is really soft this week. DraftKings is softer than it would be, you know, that they released the pricing with Rose and Woods in there. So that's kind of utilizing a couple of the top end spots and they're not playing. So uh, the cap is not that tight on any site this week. A fantasy draft is a little bit, but FanDuel and DraftKings uh, a little bit softer. So that's going to A, lead to higher ownership on Dustin Johnson, but he's also the defending champion here, one by eight last year so uh, let's talk about him by himself uh, Derek what do you do with uh, DJ at the top if you're single enter or if you're cash game or if you're multi-entering the different scenarios with which you want to play DJ this week all right so if I'm multi-entering I think I'm going to be overweight on the field he's clearly the top golfer uh, at this event four top tens including a win last year almost had that uh, you know hole in one on the par four which is pretty incredible and all of his stats just line up uh, perfectly. So if I'm playing multiple entries, I think I'm going to be overweight. Single entry, I think I'm actually going to fade him and start a little bit lower. Um, I just like the balance build a little bit better. Uh, if you're looking strictly at Vegas odds, I mean, you can start with John Rahm, who's under 10K. He's 7-1. to I mean, DJ's 5-1. to uh, There's a chance you could play both of them. But uh, I do like a lot of the plays uh, in that mid-range, uh, you know, 8K plus. And so I think if I'm doing a single entry, I'll probably end up fading DJ and just hope that he doesn't win. And I mean, I I don't see a scenario given the salary structure this week where I wouldn't play him in cash. And I know, you know, Derek, you you kind of subscribe to the theory a lot that you don't necessarily need to play the highest price guy in cash games, but is that different this week given the value that would be placed on, on having the winner? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I think you can, uh, but at the same time, I play my cash game lineup in tournaments mostly, so I guess it's a little different for me. If you're just playing head-to-heads and 50-50s, you should probably get DJ in there. All right, Jason, any agreement or disagreement on the varying ways to handle DJ this week? Yeah, um, so it's $1,200 to John Rom. so if, you know, if we're looking at what a – 15 X here at, at, you know, Kapalua, the tournament of champions. I mean, we're talking about, you know, probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 25 points. Um, it, again, this is if your other guys are all, all perfect as well, but yeah, I mean, for me, it, if, 
if it's 40% on DJ and 40% on Rom, like if that's, if those two are going to be the two highest owned guys of the week, I think it's probably, you're probably only going to be able to overweight. One of them is going to be my guess. So if, if I had to pick, I would probably pick Rom on, on the overweight side. And honestly, in single entry stuff, I would probably skip on both of them and hope they both end up out of the top five um, and, and use the single entry stuff as my hedge. Um, you know, there is the, the $5 this week on DraftKings, which I believe uh, the the uh, ownership that uh, Roto-Grinders we, we put out um, is based off of, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and you can you can find some, you know, pretty decent guys that like, you know, when we get a little bit lower to Molinari projected at 13% in that contest, you know, these guys leaving some money on the table and, and stacking a few of these guys in the 8K range might give you the best variance. Um, but again, you're hoping that DJ and Rom end up out of the top five at that point. Yeah, I think that's an interesting way to go in, in single entry stuff. Um, you know, we have Rom at 44 and DJ at 37% projected ownership right now. So as you mentioned, the two highest guys in the field, which uh, given the nature of the, the salary cap this week, I think makes sense. Uh, if you go over on FanDuel where John Rahm is for some reason priced below like seven other guys, we have him at 57%. So um, it's it's just easy to get those guys in there. So I think it is intriguing in single entry formats to maybe consider not playing them and uh, hope you can peg a winner, you know, with anybody, really anybody other than those two and uh, and go from there. So I think clearly you know, DJ and, and Rahm are your, are your favorites. Uh, the price tag on Rom not as expensive as I would have expected pretty much on every site this week. Uh, and I know Rom has struggled with inconsistency in the past, but finally showed some life towards the end of the season, finished fourth in the, the Euro Tour Finals. Uh, he won the Hero World Challenge, you know, obviously played well in the Ryder Cup. So uh, he's got a lot of things kind of going for him. And if he can start to keep up that consistency this year, I think you could, you could see a huge year from John Rahm. It's the mental aspect that always kind of seems to hold him back a little bit. So those two guys, I think you're going to see some agreement on being the top two, irrespective of ownership and things of that nature. So that kind of leaves us with Justin Thomas and Brooks Kepka in between them. Uh, Brooks Kepka finished dead last year by a mile, but he was hurt. And uh, I, I really don't think you can put any stock into that result. I mean, it, it was pretty clear at that point that that he wasn't, you know, wasn't that 100%. He, he was plus 13 for the event. But, I mean, if that's going to keep people off Brooks Kepka, I think, you know, you're kind of missing the boat a little bit. So um, I, I'll shoot it back to you guys. Uh, Derek, thoughts on uh, on JT and Kepka and how would you how you would compare them with DJ and Rob this week? Yeah, I think they're a step below, but uh, you will get them at discounted ownership. I did hear that uh, Brooks was in Vegas last week partying or something for a wedding. I, I can't confirm those uh, those rumors, but that's what I heard. So uh, if you want to play the hungover narrative, uh, we've seen that a couple of times with Brooks after winning some of uh, you know his majors. But uh, yeah, I mean, I like it from an ownership standpoint, but I just think Rom and DJ are you know, far and away my favorite two plays of the week. JT, I think, is getting overlooked a little bit. Uh, obviously had the win here in 2016. His other two finishes weren't great, but he's just one of those golfers that uh, if you give him four rounds, he's going to make a ton of birdies. So uh, I'm probably going to be underweight on those two, but only just because I like, uh, you know, Rom and DJ a little bit more. And when it comes to Rom, I just love him anytime he's on an easy course. Uh, you know, I faded him at the majors for the most part last year, and it worked out. And Anytime he's got one of these easy courses where we don't have to worry about that mental aspect, he just comes out and 
dominates. And like you said, I'm expecting a big bounce back here from Rom. Uh, Jason, your thoughts kind of on uh, Kepka and JT in there. Yeah, I'll just throw the one note about Kepka that you said. I won't ever forget. I was standing on the, the 18th hole that you guys described last year, Wednesday at the Pro-Am, and he was talking to his caddy, and he turned over to his caddy, who was hilarious, by the way, and he said, I'll be out until probably after the Masters. And his caddy turned and said to him, he goes, you got to do what you got to do, and you come back and you smash it. And, you know, I think I might have told that story once or twice, maybe even on this show. And obviously – Two weeks later, he announced that he was getting surgery. We didn't see him again for obviously a couple of months. So I put absolutely zero stock. I mean, to an untrained eye, you could even tell that his wrist was bothering him. I mean, the, my wife who I had with me could figure it out, you know, after one swing. So zero stock in his plus 13 uh, here last year. And if he's why, do, why do you suppose he stuck it out and played? You know, I think that he was already there. And when he started to warm up and started to really put it into full gear, he really felt it. And so my guess is that he was so far out there that he just stuck the four, took the paycheck, and that was the last tournament. Um, that that can be my only guess because that's the only tournament he played. And he was yeah. coming back from Japan. He had just just done that Japan tour again. So my guess is that, you know, he wanted to see if he could do it in competition. And obviously, I mean, he wasn't even close to anybody except for DA points, who, you know, was the last guy on the range, you know, when it was dark, still trying to figure out why he was hitting snap hooks. So it, it doesn't surprise me that, um, you know, he's 25% because of that. But that might be a play, you know, if you're looking to go above 10K to start your lineups, it might be a reason to start Brooks if people are going to overlook him. For sure. I agree with that uh, wholeheartedly. Uh, I'll definitely have him in some tournament lineups this week. So that takes us through the first handful of guys. Uh, Rory at 9,600. Uh, it's, it's amazing how times have changed. Uh, once upon a time, everybody would just jam in Rory and figure out the rest. But uh, Rory, you know, didn't have his best year last year. Still put up a good number of top 25s, but uh, didn't contend for wins as much as we're used to. There was some talk at the end of the year, you know, how committed is he to his golf game, et cetera. And uh, it's his debut here. He usually doesn't play here. So it kind of flies in the face of what I said. And usually the first timers are guys who either aren't very good or, uh, you know, might be new to the tour because obviously Rory is neither. But uh, we have him at less than half, almost a third of the ownership of John Rahm. So yeah, it's very interesting. Um, you got Rory at 9,600, Jason Day at 9K, who nobody wants to play because he's always hurt. Uh, those two guys are really your only options in the in between, you know, Rom and the 8Ks because Tiger isn't playing. So, uh, again, we'll take this with uh, two guys, and, and then we'll start to open it up from there. But, uh, Jason, I'll start with you on this one. Your thoughts on uh, on Rory and uh, Jason Day? Yeah, I mean, if if it continues to trend towards strokes gained off the team mattering more in this tournament, you know, we've seen in years past where – Plenty of guys, you know, Brian Harmon top five here last year, and he, you know, probably is one of the shortest guys on tour. So obviously shorter hitters can get it done. But the winners here the last three years have have obviously picked up in the strokes gain off the tee. Dustin last year, Justin Thomas the year before, and then Spieth had that ridiculous putting performance in 2016. But if, if that's going to be the case, then Rory and Jason Day are both, you know, top in that category. You know, last year both can hit the ball a long way. It's for if you are playing multiple uh, lineups in the $5. I think it would be a shame not to have a stack of them too. In one of those lineups, you're going to have to differentiate. And I can guarantee if you start with those two and leave more than $500 on the table, it's likely you're not going to be duplicated. 
Yeah, and that's definitely something that's doable for sure. I was messing around with that just now. You can certainly do that and get a lineup that doesn't look too bad. Leave five or six hundred bucks on the table and uh, and kind of like what you have there. And it would be dependent upon one of them coming up and you know and getting a victory. But that's not without the not out of the realm of possibility for sure. Uh, Derek, any interest in uh, Rory or Jason Day for you? Rory's going to shoot a 64 one of the days. Uh, what he does the other three is going to determine, you know, if it's a good or bad week. Uh, that's just how Rory is. Um, I know this isn't a WGC event, but he has an amazing track record in no-cut WGC events. Uh, top 11s in like nine of his last 10 uh, WGC events. So I will be on Rory. I think uh, at this ownership, I think it's a nice discount, uh, whether you want to pair him with Rom. It's sort of a unique pairing or whether you want to just use him as a direct pivot in tournaments. Uh, I do like Rory quite a bit. And for Jason Day, I just I have a hard time playing him. I know the wide fairways should benefit uh, him quite a bit, but his irons were just so bad uh, last year that I'm not sure he's going to be able to you know knock him close enough to uh, make as many birdies to contend this week. A big greens, I think, benefit the good putters a little bit this week. So you never know if Jason Day gets hot with the putter. I think that's intriguing. So true. Um, Jason, do you remember? Do they repair everybody after the first round in this tournament? Yeah, they repair, I believe, every day. If I'm not yeah, mistaken, I know. based on position in the tournament. Yeah. I thought so. Is it's you know you're dealing usually with forty golfers or less, so you've only got one. I was just looking at the tee times for the first round, but it's only going to be. Uh, one round, not two set rounds. They've only got one round of tee times posted. Uh, but some of these guys, Brooks is golfing with Keegan Bradley. John Rahm is golfing with Patrick Reed. Uh, no hotheads in that group uh, at all. <laughs> Rory with Xander Shaw, Jason Day with uh, Molinari. Uh, Dustin Johnson grouped with our next guy. That's Bryson DeChambeau. So that'll be an interesting pairing. On Thursday, Bryson, a guy who really came on strong last year, kind of flashed that winning top five upside on quite a few occasions and uh, fulfilling his potential, uh, won the Shriners back there at the first of, uh, of November. So uh, we get into the 8Ks, lots of options here. The pricing opens up a little bit. You got Bryson, you've got Webb Simpson, Molinari, Shawfully, Patrick Reed, Cameron Champ up into the 8Ks there on DK. This surprised me a little bit. And uh, Gary Woodland at 8K. So we've got quite a few options to discuss in there. Um, Derek, I'll pivot back to you. Who are some of the guys you're looking at in that uh, 8K range on DraftKings? It's really hard not to like Bryson. He's 12 to 1 to win this week, uh, which stands out at his price range. He has two, three wins in his last six events. He's good off the tee, he's good with his approaches. Uh, his putter really came alive uh, you know, towards the second half of last season. So I will be locking in Bryson. I know it's going to be a very popular pairing to, you know, use him and Rom together, but uh, I have to do it. They're just, they're just such good plays this week. So uh, yeah, I'm on Bryson. Hopefully the fact that he was 26th here last year will help lower his ownership a little bit, uh, but I doubt it. I think Webb's an interesting play as well. Uh, he's the number one putter in this field over the last 50 rounds and uh, number one putter on Bermuda, which is pretty crazy. Um, how far he's come over the last uh, year and a half. Did so. you ever think you would say number one putter yes. in anything? Unreal. I know it's crazy. And uh, he's one of those shorter hitters. I think everyone's going to take the bomber angle, but you know, like we mentioned with uh, the T boxes and the elevation changes, uh, he can get out there quite a bit this week uh, just due to the role. So those are going to be my favorite two. Probably not going to be on, uh, you know, Molinari or Xander. Um, but I don't mind going to Patrick Reed if you want to uh, look that way. Uh, I think me and Justin both had him as our favorite contrarian play in the expert survey this week. And then 
look at his ownership and all of a sudden he's going to be, you know, 30% owned. So not sure what I'm going to do with Reed yet. I want to hear your guys' take at that ownership. Yeah, that ownership is, (laughs) it is interesting. And the reason, you know, the reason I kind of laid out for liking him is, uh, he steps off a plane and he wants to win. I mean, I could throw my kid out there against him and, and Patrick Reed would probably compete to to kick the snot out of him. And you see a lot of guys that will treat this like an <laughs> exhibition. It is what it is. It's, you know, it's in Hawaii, first of the year, uh, beautiful place to go this time of year. So, you know, you see guys that will be re- relaxed and wide fairways and, and just go out there and play. But Patrick Reed, you know, he's honed in every time uh, he takes the golf course wanting to to win that tournament. And, uh, you look at his last three results when he's made it here, first, second, and sixth. So a good track record here as well. And Reed is not a guy that I play a whole heck of a lot and uh, kind of bummed that he's going to be so popular. But, Jason, what are your thoughts on on Reed? And you can uh, then pivot to any of these other guys here in the 8Ks that you want to talk about. Yeah, definitely surprised with, you know, obviously we, we talk about the the number of drives that are going to be hit over 400 yards and, and so on and so forth, that more people aren't going to go to young star camera champ. They are going to, you know, kind of go towards that Patrick Reed, you know, maybe you guys had had a little bit of an influence on that, maybe more so than you wanted to in the beginning, because he does set up, um, you know, he's a natural draw of the golf ball and here. It doesn't, there's, there really doesn't favor any um, side and that normally helps out Patrick Reed. Um, it, there's just an impossibility that he can miss these fairways. Uh, you know, if I, if I don't miss him, he's definitely not going to miss them. So um, yeah, 8,200, I can definitely see if that is going to soak ownership away from Xander who played decent here last year in his first time, uh, you know, maybe I'll, I'll play a little bit more Xander just, just based off of ownership. And maybe I go to Patrick Reed in the betting markets, you know, I understand the DFS show, but maybe I take Patrick Reed and, and take those odds um and that's where i get my ownership if he's really going to be 30 plus and what are did you mention his odds right before we went on the air derek uh i saw him down to 12 to 1 in some places uh he's definitely one of the biggest uh movers yeah yeah, movers of the week for sure yeah that's like 25 when he came out so um yeah, the, the next guy I definitely want to talk about, um, I, I want to talk about Bryson for a real quick second. Now, we all know one of the rule changes in golf is you're allowed to leave. Oh, the yes, flag. I forgot about this. Yeah, you're allowed to leave the flag stick in now while on the putting green. Uh, the, you know, the infamous Jack Jack Nicholas shot where, you know, his, I think it was his son, like, almost didn't get the, the ball out or didn't get the ball out, and it's a, it was a penalty. But now it's not. So I'm wondering, uh, Bryson has talked about it. He says, um, and I believe I am definitely paraphrasing here because I'm never going to get what exactly Bryson says. He says, if the coefficient of the variables of the gravity suggests that I should leave the flag stick in, I'm going to leave it in. Um, so what does that mean? He's probably going to leave it in for show because it, it, it's going to get some great press. Um, however, I will say this. If he keeps up somewhat of his pace that he was on, I'm not saying winning four out of every 13 starts. If he wins a couple of times and pulls in a major this year, he probably will be the number one ranked golfer in the world this time next year, just based off the number of divisible tournaments that they run on their weird ranking system. You know, he's got those four wins that he accumulated at the end of last year. So, you know, it's not out of the realm of possibility that we're going to see Bryson DeChambeau um, with his weird style of play, be the number one golfer in the world at some point this year. Yeah. I don't think that's really hyperbole at all either. Um, And and if you want to see this kind of right out of the gates, I mean, I mentioned he's paired with DJ in the first round, and they're the last group off at 
that would be 540 Eastern time on uh, on Thursday. So you know that that group is going to get all the TV coverage there on Thursday in prime time on the Golf Channel. So uh, if you want to witness Bryson leaving the flag stick in in person, uh, you can, or at least do a TV set, but uh, you can watch it there on Thursday, I'm sure, and uh, be interesting to see what he does. I'm glad you brought that up. I had uh, forgotten about that over the, the month that that came out kind of right at, I don't know, it's probably only been like 10 days and it feels like it's been a month ago that came out, but yeah, yeah. Uh, for sure, something we're going to want to want to keep an eye on. Uh, Derek, you got any thoughts on, you know, that Cameron Champ, uh, Gary Woodland, always a guy that gets some uh, some buzz and he's at 8K there. Any other guys you want to fill in some gaps on here? Yeah, I think Woodland's certainly in play. Uh, he has played here before. It was back in 2013, but uh, played pretty well. And he just ended the season on a very good uh, note. Top 12 finishes in six of his last seven events. I don't know what to do with Champ. I mean, he's going to be able to, you know, hit 500-yard drives or something crazy like that this week. And the fairways are so wide that he's he's going to be playing 100 yards ahead of some of the guys this week. So if he can continue putting the way he did, then he's going to be top three player in the world by the end of the next season. I don't think uh, his putting is sustainable. Uh, it was unreal during that fall swing season. So I think I'm going to be shorting him here in the first few events, uh, and we'll see how that goes. But uh, it doesn't feel good, especially on a course with such wide fairways. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, with the wide fairways, you're going to see, you know, good majority of drives in the fairways this week. And uh, it is, as I kind of hit on earlier, there are bigger greens here. So uh, guys who are poor putters, I, I think they do get a little bit of a downgrade. We'll talk about one of those guys or a couple of those guys here before we finish out the show. But um, just different angles you can look at this week, trying to get an edge with only 34 golfers in the field. So uh, something to think about. Uh, Jason, anything else you want to touch on for anybody at 8K or above there? Um, no, I think we pretty much covered every. Oh, excuse me. I think we pretty much covered everybody. All right, let's move into the 7Ks. Paul Casey is your first option there. Uh, Bubba Watson at 7,800. Leishman at 7,700. Seems like a, a affordable price tag for him. A guy who's a pretty good win player. So you're seeing him kind of evolve into a chalkier option this week. Got Matt Kuchar, Aaron Wise. That kind of rounds out the higher end of the 7K range. Uh, Jason, I'll let you go ahead and fire away with your takes in there. Yeah, I think my first question, you know, and, and this is definitely something that I've been monitoring is, you know, Matt Kuchar, 10%. Why are people ready to go back to him versus Mark Leishman? I mean, it, do we really think that, you know, Leishman is is that much better than Kuchar? Maybe, you know, and especially with the win, but Kuchar does have a low ball flight. Um, obviously, it's been a very long time since Matt Kuchar and another buddy of ours who's, you know, just a couple hundred dollars less, Charles Howell, have, has been – um, eligible for this tournament. Um, so yeah, it, it's definitely very interesting that, I mean, we're talking about, you know, m less than, than half of the ownership, uh, you know, in Leishman to Kuchar. So I'm looking at Kuchar a lot, um, coming in here and I don't know that I'm going to play him and, and say my, my higher dollar, but the $5 he's, I'm definitely going to be overweight on Kuchar at this point. I think it's really intriguing to kind of look at the spreads and ownership here in this range. And, you know, Leishman is a guy that at that ownership, I'll probably take an underweight stance just because 35% uh, ownership on a guy that's, you know, in the seven K's. And I think he, last time I looked, he's 33 to one to win something like that. 
I think you can take an underweight stance on, you know, on somebody with those odds, but uh, it does set up well, especially if it's windy. Uh, that's more of a game theory play for me than anything else. Uh, Derek, some of your thoughts on there. I think Kuchar's interesting, especially at the ownership. Uh, you know, last time we saw him, he obviously won at the OHL. And the week before that, uh, we noted his strong tee to green game where he lost like eight strokes around the green and putting. So, Crazy. yeah, I mean, I think uh, his tee to green game is coming around. I think you can still play him here. I also think Paul Casey's getting overlooked a little bit. Uh, have him under 20% uh, for the week. You know, he's just a good golfer. Uh, and at price under 8K, I think I'll probably be overweight on the field with Casey. Uh, he's never played here, at least not uh, for quite some time, because like Kuchar hasn't won in a while. Uh, <laughs> yep. But yeah, I think he's fine. I mean, he's a good driver of the ball, really good with his irons. All comes down to the putter, uh, like so many of my favorite golfers. Um, after that, Leishman, I'll probably be underweight on him. I know everyone's playing up the win narrative. He's very good in the wind. He's had a pretty good track record at this course. But uh, anytime we get you know, this type of ownership at this price point, I don't mind uh, taking pivots and just uh, taking my chances. Golf's such a volatile sport that, um, especially at the very, or if we're not at the very top, I don't mind uh, fading some of these highly owned guys down here. Yeah, and this is the spot where you kind of feels a little bit more comfortable to, to fade the chalk sometimes for sure. And I've kind of been sorting. So our biggest movers, uh, biggest movers in ownership since opening uh, we haven't really gotten to with Bryson's gone up a little bit. Uh, Cam Champ's gone down a little bit, but the biggest movers are kind of in the the six Ks and right at seven yeah. Ks. So I'll I'll um, run across some of those guys as we get uh, through the end here. But I'll circle back with you, Jason. Any other thoughts on these uh, guys? Otherwise, you can go down with. Uh, we're basically getting to the value range here. Yeah. 4K and less. Uh, you know, kind of open up the floor to any of the other guys you like this week. Yeah, I got one more, Bubba. We didn't. I, I'm just gonna give him a minute. I think that if uh, Tiger and Rose, uh, if they didn't price them in, I think Bubba was probably one of those guys that we would have seen above 8K. Uh, 25, 10, 10 the last three times. But the 25, remember, I believe he had like just signed his deal with Volvic, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and if anybody knows the the you know the deal, if I'm wrong, please let me know. But we know how bad he was with that Volvic ball. It's It's been widely spread. Um, he switched back to Titleist last year, and he won three times. So at, you know, depressed ownership, because everyone's looking at Leishman, um, Watson knows the course. It's his fourth time playing it. So uh, I definitely will be looking at Baba for my tournament. And we also know that Baba loves to score, right? You know, he may not come top, you know, top five, but if he gets in the top ten, he's probably going to make up the point differential and positional points with his, you know, number of birdies. So um, that's just my guess. Uh, you know, I'll go down. Brant Snedeker is, you know, a pretty good win player um, as well. Obviously he's one of the shorter players on tour, but you could very well see a Brian, you know, Harmon-esque performance out of Snedeker here this week. Again, depressed ownership. Um, Keegan Bradley was a tee to green machine last year um, and everything came together for him for that win. I don't know. We saw him fade. We saw him play well one round and then saw him fade off. I don't know. That That's kind of a tough battle for me. I, I'm probably going to go to, you know, honestly, I'm probably going to go to 6,500 uh, from the next guy that I play. Over under one and a half, three putts from Keegan this week. Oh, I'm taking the over for sure. No, yeah, that, that's way too. That, all right. Two and a half. Can we say one per round? Because that's where <laughs> we're at. I'm telling you, these greens at Kapalua are going to be huge. 
Yeah. yeah. I'll take the one for a round. I'll take the over. Wow. You did not instant on the one and a half. That's why I'm not a bookie. <laughs> uh, my, my lines would be getting smashed. Um, although I think one per round, uh, two and a half, we'll settle on two and a half for that. That's probably a pretty good one. Yeah. That's a pretty good line. All right. <laughs> Consensus has been two and a half, three putts for Keegan. I'll uh, slide into my DMs later. Uh, you're looking out uh, take extensive juice because i need that to cover my uh, my poor lines but um all right uh, derek i'll pivot back to you your thoughts on uh, some of these other guys yeah i like the sneds call uh typically been very good in the wind uh and he's pretty wild with the driver so that should help him a little bit on this course we know he's one of the better putters in this field so i like sneds uh, at 7400 i'm a little surprised that aaron wise is getting so much buzz we have him, you know, projected one of the highest home golfers in this price range. Uh, I know he's been working out a lot, but I'm not really <laughs> sure that's translating directly into success on the course. Um, when we get down to this range, I'm just all about pivots. So don't mind going to Charles Howell, uh, Snedeker, who I talked about. I do like Billy Horschel, even though he's going to be popular. Uh, he's a Bermuda guy, grew up in Florida, I went to college there. So he's probably going to be at home on these greens and he finished the season uh, on a pretty high note so I, i'll probably end up eating some horseshoe chalk but for the rest of them i'll uh, pivot to the lower on guys yeah very streaky and uh, interesting to see kind of how the layoff affects that with horschel and uh, he is our biggest positive mover uh, he was at 18 percent in our monday ownership update and now he's up to 25 so he's gone up seven percent uh, that has come at the expense of Poulter, who has dropped from 23 to 12 so uh, everyone, you know, the buzz seems to be more on Horschel, Kevin Na coming up as well, uh, Poulter, and uh, and even Howell moving down a little bit, but no extreme moves down other than uh, than Poulter. And you know, hard to say gauging how much of that is actually buzz moving the other way versus maybe our ownership projections were just a little bit off at first. But uh, it does seem like Horschel is generating some buzz as we get closer to uh, to Thursday. So, uh, Jason, any thoughts on any of that? Uh, kind of the guys that uh, that Derek mentioned there no I, I think for me I'm, I'm probably skipping I think the, the most egregious price of the week is is at 6500 um, I was waiting for this if you had 749 on the or excuse me east coast time 849 on when Jason would mention Kevin Tway you got yeah it, so go I, I actually I actually tried um like, like a minute and a half ago but you you cut me too soon so uh, I I'm sorry I worked it back in here. Um, so it, I, it, my over under was 845 and I would have been over that anyway. You guys did a good job keeping me off. But um, no, I think it is the most egregious price. 6,500 he's playing, I think, better than, you know, Kevin Nahn, Poulter, and, and certainly, um, you know, Piercy, although Piercy has had a very good fall. So Kevin Tway at 21%, um, I still will probably be at least double that. I think that he just opens the salary up very, very well. But I will be playing um, Scott Piercy in that range. Um, I'm probably going to skip the rest though. I might play some Charles Howell, um, just because, uh, I'm excited, but, and I will root for Aaron wise because I want to see what happens after he wins again. You know, does he get the kiss this time or what, <laughs> what, what happened? Gotta have a new girl now, right? Yeah, good. That, well, that's why I think he beefed up. I mean, 25 <laughs> pounds. I mean, geez. All right. Anyways, anyways, <laughs> that can't help your golf swing. Can it? Well, he's, he was so lanky before. I, I don't necessarily think he could hurt it. I guess we'll find out, though. I am excited to see what it translates into. You know, I'm, I'm not really sure. We know that. We saw what happened to Rory. You know, in the beginning of his career, he kind of won everything, and then he beefed up, you know, beefed up and, you know, kind of went through a little bit of a drought. So we'll see what happens with Wise. 
As I'm sitting here trying to figure out if he's got a new girlfriend or not, uh, <laughs> to important information. Uh, but I, I, I don't know. Uh, quick Google search did not provide me with conclusive evidence. But I, I give you a hard time, but I actually agree on Kevin Tway this week. I think that price tag is really cheap. Uh, you, you look at his you know, ability to score, and he's a big hitter uh, compared to some of these other guys You know, below 6.5K. Uh, I think, you, you know, I, I'm really not going below him this week in terms of pricing. I don't think you have to. Uh, it's soft enough to where, you know, he can be your number six guy there at 6,500. And uh, Jason, for what it's worth, again, for those of you who might be new, uh, Toy is one of his guys, uh, quote unquote guys, that, uh, that he likes to, uh, to target when he's playing. So we've all got those and uh, we like to give him a good, good bit of fun about it. But uh, I agree this week for sure. I think he's a, a really solid value at that price tag. And, uh, you know, agree on Howell as well. If the season is winter or spring, you play Charles Howell. That's just the way it goes. And he actually won that last uh, full field event during the fall swing. So I think, you know, playing with confidence after his first win in quite some time, I think Charles Howell is definitely a, a target this week. And if he's only going to be 17 or 18% owned in a 34-man field, uh, I like that a good bit too. So definitely. agree on those two calls. Uh, Derek, anybody else you're interested in this week? I agree that Tway probably has the highest ceiling of any sub 7K golfer. I think Ian Poulter might have the highest floor. You know, he's a grinder. He's going to go out there and, you know, grind every single round out. And he does have two top tens here. Granted, they were uh, quite a while ago, 2011, 2013. But uh, not a lot of people like to play Poulter. And I think he's good for a top 15 finish. Uh, so I think his floor is pretty safe at, in this price range. All right. Uh, and yeah, it surprises me that his ownership projection has declined that much uh, since, you know, from, from 22 down to 12, maybe he'll end up kind of somewhere in the middle of that. Uh, uh, Jason, anybody else you want to talk about uh, that we haven't uh, mentioned yet? Yeah, I guess I'll talk about the the wizard uh, for just a second. I think it, it was a WGC event where I kind of brought up that, Hey, you know, this is different than a WGC event because it's, you know, it's half the field of it. Um, but Ted Potter and no cut events does pretty well. Um, if, if you really, here's the thing, top 15 is what you need out of him. It's likely that, you know, in the seven case, it's very likely that we're going to get two, maybe even three of these guys end up in the top 15. So if Ted Potter does that, you really need that, you know, really need that differentiating in your lineup. Like if you are stacking Rom, DeChambeau and maybe DJ, yeah, okay, I can see Ted Potter getting in. He'll he'll get in one of those lineups for for me. Two percent projected ownership, so you don't yeah. often get it that low uh, in in a field like this one. So when it's this small, so uh, certainly you can get some leverage if you get one of those two to five percent owned guys at the bottom that uh, manages to crack. They don't need to win, uh, but manages to crack a top ten, top fifteen, something like that. So uh, certainly no, not a bad play from a game theory perspective at all. Uh, Derek, anybody else you want to mention? Uh, not really. I think these fairways might be wide enough uh, for Kazire to hit a few of them. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he has played here before, unlike most of the guys at the bottom of the price range, but probably not going to end up uh, making my player pool. Yeah, he was the last, uh, no, the first guy in the in the field because uh, he won the Sony Open last year. That's how he got it. So doesn't surprise me. Oh, oh, free rolling after that point, you got the <laughs> yeah. W and uh, thankfully Smiley Kaufman didn't win that tournament uh, and he's not oh, man. this That's week because he's falling off a cliff. Uh, over the last 12 months hopefully he figures it out uh, but uh, it's just you know sometimes things stop clicking for guys and uh, Brendan Todd is always the example I remember that you know okay. he went on a stretch of about 40 straight missed cuts which might still be active I don't know he might have made a cut in a lower tier event but... no I think he made one over the fall circuit maybe even 
Oh, we were rooting for him. I know we talked about him a few times. (laughs) But I mean, he was he was a good golfer about six or seven years ago. And then Crash Street days, he was a cash game lock. That's right. I remember. He was good for the 40th for a while there, but uh, just fell off. And uh, sometimes you wonder what happened, but you got kind of got to root for guys like that. So not trying to uh, disparage Smiley Kaufman by any means, but uh, just weird when that sort of stuff happens. Golf's a very mental game. That's kind of the way it goes. So, all right. I think that's going to wrap us up. We somehow made it through basically the whole hour with a 34 man field. So uh, lots of few shenanigans and uh, just getting ready for the season. Happy to be back. And again, we'll be here every week, Tuesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern. This week it's free all week, but uh, normally we will have it free during the live taping and then uh, on premium only for those that want to listen on playback, which does have value given the fact that golf uh, doesn't start till Thursday. Some people don't want to watch this until, you know, Thursday morning or Wednesday night. So that's how we'll play it going forward. We'll be back next week for the Sony Open, which is a full field event. Uh, out there in Hawaii. So we'll have a lot more to break down and we will bring that to you next Tuesday, which will be uh, January 8th at, uh, at 8 PM Eastern. So happy that you guys are with us and that golf is back for Jason Roslin and Derek Farnsworth. I am Justin Van Zuden. Thanks as always for watching and we'll catch you next Tuesday. Everybody take care.